0: So, you know, I have weird stuff happen to me as God's laying, you know, message material on my mind and on my heart, and I'm trying to figure out about what God wants me to say and all this kind of stuff, and, you know, I, I started out in this series called Saved Alone, and we were talking about Horatio Spafford, and, and in 1871, how he was, a, he was a, a devout Christ follower, and he liked to help people, and in the fires of Chicago he and his wife were really good at helping people through the struggles in life and all the kind of stuff people having their homes destroyed and lives destroyed and and he went and he said we're going to take a vacation we're going over to Europe to spend some time with some friends and he said at the last at the last minute he he said I can't go with you but he sent his wife and his four daughters over to Europe and he stayed behind only to come over later Well, what had happened is on the way over there, the ship that they were on, his wife and his four daughters, uh, the ship sank, and of the hundreds of people that were on board the ship, only 27 people survived, and four of Horatio Spafford's daughters perished in the sea that day. His wife survived, went on to Europe, sent him a telegram back home and said, uh, she started out the telegram, and it said, saved, alone. And Horatio Spafford, having gotten word about the, the ship sinking, he knew what that meant. He knew that his daughters had perished in the sea. And when he went and sailed over to Europe to meet up with his wife, when he we went to go and be with her as he sailed over the place where his, his daughters had perished in the sea He wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. He wrote the the lyrics to the song, It Is Well With My Soul, that hymn that we know so well. When sorrows like sea billows roll, thou hast taught me to say, It Is Well With My Soul. At at the most horrific place in the world that Horatio Spafford could have been, to be at the place where his daughters had died, he wrote the song, It Is Well With My Soul. And, And... We talked about the fact that that when you have Jesus Christ, when you have him as Lord and Savior, when he rules and reigns in your life, that you have a peace that surpasses all understanding and you have the ability and the capability to say, it is well with my soul in the midst of terrible devastation, just like your daughter's passing away. But there are times in your Christian walk, there are times as you follow Jesus that you do indeed feel alone. And, and we titled this Saved Alone uh, after the, the telegram that, that Horatio Spafford got back from his wife because in reality, sometimes as Christians, we feel like we're alone and we, we talked about why that is and, and how that happens and the kind of struggles that we deal with and, and why we feel alone so many times. And as God was kind of dealing with, with me through this, I got to thinking about people in, in Scripture that may have felt alone. People that may have felt like, I am the only one right here at this place and at this time and having to deal with this. And, and there was one guy that came to mind, and it's a guy that you all know very well. Probably if you've ever been to a Sunday school class when you were five years old and you've ever colored a picture in Sunday school, you know the guy I'm talking about. His name is Jonah. Has anybody ever heard of Jonah? Yeah, Jonah and the whale, right? Like everybody knows Jonah. I don't care if you're a Christian or not. You've heard about Jonah and the whale. It's actually Jonah and the big fish, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, The kids over there are talking about Jonah and the whale. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. For the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the big fish. Um, everybody's like, oh, good, man, I remember this from Sunday school. I know this story. This will be good. I can, I can connect with this story. I've heard it before, right? Well, let me encourage you to take a fresh perspective of this story and really look at, at what's going on here. Now, now, Jonah is considered to be one of the minor prophets. Uh, they, <laughs> they call him that because he's got... A very short passage of scripture in the Bible is called one of the minor prophets, but I would actually call him the racist prophet. Everybody's like, whoa, did he just call Jonah the racist prophet? Uh, Yeah, I sure did. Yep. You know why I call him that? Because he was. Everybody's like, "Uh, Kenny, I don't know if I should stay around for this message. Bear with me. All I'm going to do is share the truth with you. You can go look it up on your own, see if I'm right or not. I recommend you wait that until about 1230 when we're done here. But, but I, I, you can look it up on your own. But, but I'm telling you, if you look at what the guy says and you look at the way he thought, I mean, the guy did not like the people that God called him to go and talk to. He, he didn't like, like them at all. As a matter of fact, God called him to go and speak to these people called the Assyrians. Uh, he called, God called Jonah an Israelite, to go speak to the Assyrians, and he told them, he said, you need to repent. You need to repent or you're going to be destroyed. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what, what Jonah said, was supposed to say to him. Repent or you're going to meet your end. You're going to be devastated, you're going to be destroyed. And Jonah didn't want to. Jonah, and we know what happened, right? So he got thrown into the sea. We'll talk about all this because we got a few weeks to cover this. He got thrown into the sea, got swallowed up by a big fish and spit out on the bank. And God said, yeah, now you're going to, right? Like well, you thought you weren't, but now you're going to. And he ends up going. And we'll talk about what happens as Jonah goes into Nineveh, the place that he's supposed to go that God has called him to go into the capital city of the Assyrians and tell them you have got to repent or you're going to be destroyed and I know that Jonah must have felt very alone in that moment. God, you are calling me to this high task that I can't even grasp right now. It, it, is, it is something that I don't even want to do and you're calling me to it? And here he is. You know, you know who goes with Jonah? Aside from the big fish, nobody, you know? So the, the big fish, he spit him out and the, even the big fish I think was gone, you know what I mean? Like the fish didn't even want to go to Nineveh. So the fish spit him out, and I think the fish was probably gone. And here Jonah, he's like, I am the only one that is left to go and tell these people I don't even like. I've got to tell them that they need to repent or they're going to be destroyed. They need to turn towards God or they're going to meet their doom. They're going to, they're going to be crushed. And he doesn't like that. You know what? God's called me to do a lot of stuff I didn't like. If I could get a a raise of hands in here today about people who have been called to do stuff they didn't like by God, man, there would be hands up all over the place. People saying, yeah, you're exactly right. God has called me to do something. And and I I don't know that, that number one, I like it very much, and number two, that I'm going to do it at all. But I know that this is what God's put on my heart, and this is the direction I'm supposed to go. And in that moment, in that moment, you feel like, man, I am the only one. I'm the only one. I had this moment. There was this church that God had laid on my heart. The name is Simple Church. I don't even know where that came from. It must have come from God because I'm not smart enough to think of a name like that. But, you know, when God called me to start this church, I I had to say, God, whatever you have in store, I'm... I guess you're going to have to work it out because I ain't got a clue, man. I don't, I don't understand what it takes to start a church. I don't know what starting a church looks like. I went to my pastor, and he said, man, I can't even help you because I don't even know what starting a church looks like. And I was like, good. That's good news, right? Yeah. The good news is God called me to start a church, so God had the plan. God had it figured out. God knew what was going to happen. God had all the details worked out that I didn't have to have, Worked out. So even though it felt like I was alone, I really wasn't alone. You remember what we said Martin Luther said when we started this series? We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us is never alone. Remember when we said that? Remember we said that, that, man, although you may feel alone, even though we are saved by faith alone, only our faith in Jesus Christ can save us. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, from that point forward, you are never alone. You can, you, you can. I mean, God is right there within, within arm's reach all the time. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you've messed up, screwed up, no matter how many people you've hurt, God is still within arm's reach. All you have to do is, is do what Jonah told the Assyrians to do, is to repent, just turn towards God. He's right there. He's right there. And so many times we think when God calls me to something, when God challenges me with something, even something I don't like, that I'm going to have to do this alone. And that is not the case. That is absolutely not the case. And if you see anything in the book of Jonah, I hope you see that Jonah, although he looked like he was alone, the man was not alone. The man was not alone at all, as a matter of fact, that God was with him every single step of the way, and though he did not have the ability within himself to do it, because God was with him, he was able to do it, even though he didn't even want to. That's what the book of Jonah is all about, about a racist prophet who God used him anyway to save a group of people. They probably didn't even deserve to be saved, but but, but because Jonah was obedient to God, God saved an entire group of people, rescued them because... This, this, this prophet that didn't even want to do it, he did it anyway. After God chewed him up and spit him out, so to speak, and he still did it anyway. And why was he able to do that? One reason, one reason alone, because Jonah was not alone. He was not alone. Let's look what God's Word has to say in the book of Jonah. It's on page 861, in case you're wondering. Every time I say that, y'all laugh. That cracks me up. You got an index, use it. Nobody's going to judge you for looking in the index because you don't know where it is. If you want to read it from the screen, that's fine too. That's why we put it on the screen. You know, there, there's, this, there's this tradition out there that says you don't bring your Bible to church, you're going to hell, right? Like, you know, your, your hair will catch on fire or something like that. I, we live in a technology world today that we're going to put it up on the screen. If you want to bring your Bible, praise God. You bring your Bible, maybe you want to write something down in it, praise God, do that. If you're like, I'd rather read it on the screen, read it on the screen. You know, this is simple church, so we're going to keep it simple. You're not going to hell if you don't bring your Bible to church. It's okay. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked his people are. Whew. He says, get up. You know what some of us need to do? (laughs) If you're a Christ follower, we need to get up. we got a lot of people sitting down. we got a lot of people that are comfortable sitting down because sitting down is a comfortable place to be. We need more people that will say, I'm going to get up. Then when God says get up, they get up. Am I right? Everybody's like, I don't like it, but you're right. Yeah, get up. Get up and go to Nineveh. Get up and go. Can you imagine God telling somebody to do such a thing? To get up and go. That's just ridiculous, isn't it? Get up and do something. You must be kidding me. My God, say that to somebody? You must be kidding. That's what it says, man. I didn't write it. God did. You you know, you know what God's probably saying to you right now? If I had to guess the reason you're here and the reason somebody, maybe somebody invited you to come and maybe somebody Somebody said, hey, I go to this, this crazy church and this island of Misfit Toys, and you should come check it out, because they're all weird there, just like us. And, and maybe you got here today, and you're like, I don't know, I, I, I don't know if God's going to speak to me today. I don't know if God's got anything to say to me. Maybe what he's trying to say is, get up and go. Maybe, maybe there's just four words there that God wants you to hear today, and it was to get up and go, to stop sitting on your rear end. Maybe, maybe, I don't know. I don't, maybe, maybe that's what God wants you to hear, to, hear today was, was Jonah chapter 1 verse 2, the first four words, get up and go. Get up and go. You, you realize, of course, the, the trick is there's very few people that get up and go, right? There's very few people that get up and go. There's a long pause here so you can think about that. There's very few people that actually get up and go. He says, announce my judgment against the people of Nineveh, these Assyrians. Assyrians were bad dudes because they they liked to cut people up. Their enemies or anybody that came against them, they would cut them up. They would burn them. They would do whatever they could to make sure that that everybody realized the the Assyrians are very violent people so nobody would rise up against them. The Assyrians were nasty folks and nobody liked them, especially the the Israelites. So for for God to call an Israelite to go to Assyria, first of all, that's a dangerous endeavor. You, You hear me? An Israelite to go to Assyria and tell him, you know what, my God told me to tell you that you need to repent and come to God. Turn away from your wicked, evil ways. God told me to tell you that. That's a dangerous endeavor. Do you know that sometimes when God tells you to get up and go, sometimes it's a dangerous endeavor? Sometimes you go into places where you are not well received. Sometimes you go into places where it may very well cost you your life. You know what God told Jonah? He said, get up and go. Get up and go. It's not an easy endeavor, Jonah. Get up and go. You may lose your life, Jonah. Get up and go. People may cut you into bits, Jonah. Get up and go. People may set you on fire, Jonah. Get up and go. You know what we use all the time as our excuse to not get up and go? Something might happen to me. Something might come against me that they may harm me physically. I don't see anywhere in here where God goes, you know what? Second thought, Jonah, this may be bad. You may be in trouble if you go. Maybe you shouldn't go. Or maybe you need to carry a sword or a shield or put on some heavy body armor before you go. No, he just says, get up and go. Go into the heart of the Assyrians, go into their capital and start preaching God. And he says, go. But you're like, surely God would never call me to someplace dangerous. Surely God wouldn't put me in a place of harm. If you're listening to God, it may very well be the case. But think about not only the fact that he was in danger by going in there, but he was also in a place where his words are not going to be well-received. He's going into a place where I know if if Jonah was in the outside looking in, he'd be going like, God, nobody's going to listen to me no matter what I say. Why am I going to go to them and tell them something you said? Nobody there is going to listen to me. (laughs) Are you seeing the picture here? Jonah, get up and go into a place where you might be harmed, you might be killed. Jonah, go and preach to people that are probably not going to hear you. How could Jonah do that alone? Could Jonah do that by himself? Could, could Jonah go into a place like that by himself? No. He couldn't. Because if he was going without God, he'd sure enough be cut into bits. Nobody would ever listen to him. But because Jonah was not alone, he could go into the face of the opposition and not be afraid. He could. He could. But we know the story of Jonah, right? Right? I don't know that he was so much afraid as he was a racist. I say a racist. He didn't like that race of people, the Assyrian race, okay? That's why I call him a racist. He didn't like them. He didn't like those people. He he, he wanted them to be destroyed. He wanted God's wrath to pour down on them. He he wanted them to be wiped out. That's what he wanted, but that's not what God wanted. God said, go and and tell them to repent so so that... Those wicked people can can turn away from their wicked ways. And it says, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went to the town, the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. Boy, that's a hard word to say, by the way, Tarshish. You ever said that five times real fast? That's real hard. He bought a ticket and went on board and hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. I wanted to entitle this, this message, put like a little subtitle on it, the, Jonah the Man Who Had No Friends. You know why? Because I was like, if I've got any friends whatsoever, and I go up to them and I go, hey man, I'm going to run from God and I'm going to get on a boat. I got some friends that would tell me, hey buddy, if you're going to run from God, a boat ain't the place to be. You know what I mean? Like, Jonah must not have had any good friends. If they were friends, they weren't godly friends. Because I would have been like, hey, Jonah, a boat ain't the place to, get, get, to go to get away from God. If you want to go somewhere, you need to go somewhere else besides getting on a boat. Because I don't know if you know who owns the winds and the waves. God. <laughs> and you're going to run away from God by getting in the midst of the sea and the winds and all that. That's a good idea, Jonah. Yeah. Hop on board the boat. I'm sure that'll work out great. I got some sarcastic friends. That's exactly what they told me. Yeah, Kenny, get on the boat. You going to run from God? All right, yeah. Yeah, go get on a boat. That's great. Take a cruise somewhere, man. Go to the South Caribbean. I'm sure it'll be fine if you're going to run from God. Don't worry about it. Go get on a boat. I really feel like the man must not have had any friends. If they were friends, they weren't godly, and they didn't know, man, don't get on a boat. But anyway, so, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. We know this, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, definite sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at this time? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. So these dudes are like freaking out, you know, because there's a huge wind. There's a a storm that has come upon the ship, a tempest. This is a supernatural storm, right? We know about those. We know that God has the ability to create those. And here, I mean, it's like, it's crazy out there on the water, and these guys... They're freaking out, of course, right? Like any of us would be. And, and they, I mean, like to lighten the load, they start throwing stuff overboard, you know? Chunking stuff, trying to lighten the load. They figure if we're not low in the water, if we're high in the water, maybe we won't sink. That'll be a good idea, right? And so, so they're chunking stuff overboard and, and Jonah's asleep in the belly of the ship. <laughs> and he's sitting there chilling out, just uh, not too terribly worried. I think that, that there's probably a lesson to be learned here. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think what was happening was Jonah, in his attempt to run from God, was, was trying to, to sleep it off a little bit. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to close his eyes and shut his eyes to what was going on in the world. He was trying to, to, to kind of be, be closed off to everything else that was happening around him. Isn't that what we do? Isn't that what we know what God's direction is, and we know that God may be trying to speak to us, but we're going to go take a nap instead. We're going to close our eyes, so to speak, and shut everything else down so that we can't really pay attention to all the things God's trying to do to, to give us warning signs or alerts saying, Hey, this is what I want for you. This is my plan for you. Go and do this. Go and do that. And we just close ourselves down, shut ourselves down, tune ourselves out to what's going on, and we say, No, I'm going to just hold up right here and I'm going to do my thing for a little bit and I'm not really going to listen and pay attention to all the things God is trying to show me and all the things that are going on around me that God is doing to try to show me what I'm supposed to be doing and where I'm supposed to be going. And that's what we see with Jonah. He's asleep and the captain's like, wake up, dude. Wake up, man. We're We're drowning. Get up and pray to your God. I don't know who your God is. I don't know. I don't know. Just pray. All right, dude? Like, it just do something. All right. You can't be sleeping. Do something. And it says the, the crews cast cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the, the terrible storm. So these are guys that are obviously pagan. They got a pagan way of figuring out what's going on. Uh, they don't know the one true God. They got their own gods. They got little g gods that they're praying to, trying to figure out what's going on, and 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 they're they're freaking out, trying to figure out what's going on. Why why is this happening? Who's upset the gods? And 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 here we see that. When they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Now, can, can God use something so pagan as casting lots to, to orchestrate something for his good and his glory? Absolutely. God does it all the time. He uses people's wrong motivations and wrong ideas and wrong beliefs and all that to accomplish his glory. And that's just something that happened right here. They were casting lots trying to figure out who it was. and they fe- Jonah, this ain't good for you. The dude that was asleep. We should have known. It was that guy that was asleep. We should have known it was his fault, right? So here they figure out it's Jonah's fault. It's, he's the reason. It says, why has this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, what, who are you? What, what is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? They're like, there's something to this dude and where he's from and, and, and something about his, his, his nationality, the kind of person that he is. There's something about it that's caused us to be in the midst of all this and He says, Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Let me tell you something. If you're a Christ follower and stuff's happening around you and God's trying to get your attention, I think a lot of times people recognize that. Even people that aren't Christians, they see something's going on with this guy, this girl, that God's doing something with this person. That God's trying to get their attention, that God's showing them something, and, and they, they desperately need to respond to it. Sometimes even when you don't see it, pagan people, people that aren't Christ followers, actually see it. They're the ones that actually see that there's something going on with this person because they're a Christ follower. And Jonah says, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven. The sailors were terrified, and they heard this, and they already told him. He, was running away. he already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, Why did you do it? They groaned, and the storm was getting worse all the time. They, they asked him. What should we do to stop to you to stop the storm? Listen to what Jonah says. Tell me if you've ever been at this place in your life as God's calling you to do something. Jonah says, throw me into the sea, and, and it will be calm again. I know that this terrible storm is my fault. Sometimes we see it, don't we? And, and we're at, at this low, low place of, man... I recognize, God, that you're trying to get my my attention. Just throw me into the sea. It it may mean my doom. It may mean my end. But I cannot stand it any longer. you got to just do something. I'm causing devastation in your life because of the stuff that's happening in mine. And God's trying to get my attention. Just throw me into the sea. Just get me out of your life. Just cast me out of your life. Just get me out of this place so that you won't have to endure what I'm having to endure. Just get rid of me. Just get rid of me. Listen to what it says, though. These pagan sailors, it says, instead, instead, these guys, they didn't even worship the same God that Jonah worshiped. And they said, it says, instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get the ship to land, but the, the stormy sea was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. They, then they cried out to the Lord Jonah's God. Uh oh. What's happening here? What's happening here? They cried out to the Lord Jonah's God. Oh, Lord, they pleaded. Don't make us die for this man's sin. Don't don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. When the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him into the raging sea and the storm stopped at once, the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. God used Jonah's stupid, racist mentality to bring a bunch of lost sailors to the recognition that there is one true God. That there is one God who has power over the seas and over the winds and over everything in creation. There is one God who has that. And even though Jonah was too stupid to follow God and obey God, God still chose to to show these sailors that he was God. And he was able to rescue these sailors. And now, as opposed to crying out to their false gods and casting lots and all that other garbage, God has used Jonah's stupidity to bring these people to know that Jonah's God is real. Jonah's God is real. You know how that can happen? Do you know how God can use Jonah even in the midst of his ignorance to bring people to the knowledge of God? It's because Jonah wasn't alone. Because God was with Jonah. God was right there in his midst orchestrating everything from the seas to the lots being cast to the sailors recognizing there's something different about this guy. God was in every single detail of that. You and your life, me and my life, even in our ignorance and our, our inability to see what's going on when we're trying to close everything down and shut everything down so we're not paying attention to God and we're trying to just, just do our own thing. God's still right there. God's still right there in the middle of it, still working and showing and trying to draw people to himself, even in the midst of us rebelling against God. And I believe, I believe Jonah, he had some recognition of this. I really do. I believe, I believe Jonah at least saw them crying out, because they cried out to Jonah's God before they threw Jonah overboard, right? You know who saw them crying out to Jonah's God before they threw Jonah overboard? Jonah did. Jonah saw what God was doing. Jonah saw how how God was orchestrating things even in the midst of his disobedience. Jonah saw that before they threw him overboard. And here, these sailors... They're crying out to the one true God now. Now I bet in your Sunday school class when you were five years old and you're drawing and coloring pictures of Jonah in the well, you probably didn't talk a whole lot about the sailors. You know that those sailors were just as important to God as the whole Assyrian nation that Jonah was supposed to go and, and preach to and preach repentance to? That those sailors aboard that ship, just because, just because there was a few of them, that doesn't mean they're any less important doesn't mean they're any less important. Just the few of us that are sitting in this building right now who maybe we came to church not expecting God to speak to us. We came with the wrong motivations. Maybe we came to get a pig in the blanket or, or some sweet tea. But, but God has used that, that wrong motivation to show you something about God and who he is and the fact that you need to come to him and you need to have a relationship with him. Jonah was able to lay witness to that, just like you're able to lay witness to it too as God is speaking to your heart right now. As God is challenging you, maybe about something that he's calling you to obedience to, something that doesn't look so good or doesn't look so pretty or or doesn't look like it's going to end well for you. And God is telling you one thing. You are not alone. You can get up and go. You can do what I've called you to do. I'll still use you because I am right here with you. I am right here with you. And I promise, I promise you, if you will open your eyes and you will allow God to open your eyes, you will see it in the people around you. We've had so many people, when they put their faith in Jesus Christ, their whole family, they see that in them, and they see God at work in them, and then before you know it, what happens? People in their family start coming to faith in Christ. People go, man, I don't know what's going on in their life, but whatever that is, I need to check it out. I need to figure it out. I need to see what's actually happening there because that don't look like the same person that was here yesterday. And that's what you see so many times. It starts affecting the people around you. These sailors were important to God. Even in the midst of Jonah's disobedience, God was still able to show them that he was God. Just give you a prelude to what's coming next week. It says, Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. You're like, You gonna stop there? Yeah, I'm gonna stop there. You know why? Because I believe these sailors were important. I believe what God was trying to show Jonah through these sailors was important. I believe that God had called Jonah to get up and go. I believe that was important. I believe the fact that Jonah was not alone, I believe that is important. And I believe if you, if you can grasp those few points, if you can grasp those few things, then God has spoken to you today and he's trying to show you something. And I just pray that you're not asleep in the hold. I just pray that you're not in the bottom of the ship trying to, trying to just tune everything else out and you, you would actually let God speak to you today that you would recognize maybe whatever God has called you to do, whatever thing he's challenged you with in your heart when I talk about these things and I I talk about how God may call you to a, a place that is not safe, that you will recognize that God is with you, that you are saved, and you are not alone. If you're not saved, maybe God has awoken you to the fact that he's the one true God. He's the one true God. And he orchestrates everything, and he brings people to himself. Just like these sailors, maybe he's done that in your life today. And you need to respond in obedience to him. We'll give you a time to do that. If you need to talk to me, if you need to talk to somebody, just let us know. If you need to come and just pray and repent and turn towards God, because you say, you know what, my life is more evil than those awful Assyrians. My life. When I take a step back and look at my life and what I represent and who I am, and I recognize who I am before the Lord God Almighty, I recognize how evil and awful I am, and I just need to repent and come to God. You're invited to do that. You're invited to do that. God brought you here for a reason. Will you get up and go? Father, thank you, Lord, for your word and how you challenge us and the fact that you love us enough to draw us to you. Lord, I just pray if there's anybody here that's struggling in whatever situation may be going on in their life. Lord, maybe there's somebody that's dealing with some overwhelming, I don't know, maybe a sickness. maybe, Maybe it's a relationship that is broken. God, I know in the midst of all this about you calling us to obedience, God, that you call us to obedience to surrender things to you. To come to you as our Father and give them over to you. And Lord, I just pray that we would do that there are people that are hurting and, and just need a, of your presence, I pray that you've, that you've helped them recognize the fact that they are not alone today, that, that you are within arm's reach for them if they would reach out to you. God, and then for the people that are in this place, God, and they are called in obedience to something, maybe it is great and maybe it is dangerous and maybe they're fearful about what that is. Maybe it's as simple as reaching out to a coworker. Maybe it's, it's, as, it's as hard as going to the other side of the world to reach a group of people that have never heard about you. God, whatever the case may be, God, I just pray. I pray that you've broken people's hearts today. Lord, so the reason, the reason we can say it is well with my soul, God, is because of you. And the reason that we go and we tell, that we get up and we go is because of you. Because we want other people to know the peace that we know. Lord, whatever you've called us to, I pray that we would respond in obedience to you. Father, thank you for your amazing grace and mercy. I pray, Lord, that people have heard from you today. God, and that you have touched their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?
1: quaked before, moved by the sound of His voice, seas that are shaken and stern can be calmed and broken for my reward.
0: song but I I want you to see something in the book of Jonah I want you to see God's power you you, you saw the power of God in the storm that came and the fact that it was so devastating that they thought the ship was going to sink you saw the power of God as he rescued those sailors and Jonah heard that before he was thrown into the sea but I want you to see something else That same God that created the storm and the seas and and the winds and the rains and all that, that is the same God who created the fish that saved Jonah. That is the power of God to save and to rescue. Just like He saved and rescued the sailors, He saved and rescued a disobedient prophet of God. He created the fish to save and to rescue Jonah, just like He created a Savior to save and rescue you.